my friends, and welcome back to Cloud Wars Live, the podcast where we are exploring the digital revolution and the extraordinary impact it's having on our lives, personal, business, in between, and all over. Very excited today to have with us an entrepreneur who's created a really different sort of company, pulling a lot of things together. Hannah Grady-Williams is founder and CEO of DeSkills. Hannah, welcome. Good to see you. Thanks, Bob. I'm I'm joining you from the Rebel base, if you can oh. see my my Zoom background. So anyway, very excited to be here. Now, the Rebel base, are you allowed to give any hint about where the Rebel base is located? <laughs> yes, for sure. Well, I'm in Asheville, North Carolina, so I'm on the East Coast. But the Rebel base is sort of this um, ethereal virtual place where all of our boot camps happen, which we'll, of course, get into today. Okay, okay. Yeah, and again, I don't, you know, I don't mean to pry for for details. The rebel camp sounds like a good thing, but Hannah, I think that that touches on too the whole notion of what you're trying to do here. Uh, you know, as a, a dear friend Chris Lockhead had introduced us, uh, I was really uh, taken by the idea of what you're trying to do with the skill. So, folks, in the conversation here, I think uh, you are going to be blown away by this idea that Hannah has come up with what she's doing. And I think in my simple headed way of viewing things, sort of tying together the potential of young people with some remarkable new technologies now to prepare those young people better to uh, jump into the business world, make an impact, but to do so in a very creative and driven way. But anyway, forget what I'm thinking about it. Hannah, what is the skills all about? We can start at ground zero here, here at the Rebel Base, Bob. So I can go into my whole story and, and what that means for DeSkills, but the essence of DeSkills is this. So I'm 25, I'm a native digital human, and it was cool to hear that you've got daughters just a little older than me, but we as native digitals have a very different way of working, thinking, and playing. And as you know from Chris Lockhead, who's my Obi-Wan, so we're, we're going to go over to Star Wars a little bit, but he's he's my Obi-Wan. And Chris has been talking about for several years now about this native digital revolution, right? And what it means now that we have this new category of human, not just in schools, but also in the workforce. Yeah. And so by 2025, it's estimated that approximately 27% of any workforce will be Gen Z or native right. digitals. And so what we're doing at DeSkills is preparing these native digitals to enter the modern AI powered workforce that we're now in. But this would be the best way to describe it. So let's talk about the problem because there is a there's a massive problem that exists right now in this AI powered world that we're living in. And, and this is what it is. Our obsolete education model prepares students for tests, not for life. Mm -hmm. And here's the evidence. We all know that AI is the future right we are living now in a world where ai is shaping every way we work think and play in our companies our our lives how we build how we create but schools are banning it and i believe within the next three to five years there's only going to be three types of jobs or careers you've got the first one which is trades you know skilled trades healthcare positions sort of these boots on the ground jobs number two 
is people who can create radical value, drive revenue and impact businesses with AI. Mm -hmm. And the third category is people who say, do you want fries with that? And so in other words, no lawyer, marketer, doctor, business developer, tech person, literally any job is going to be untouched by AI. And if you don't understand how to use it, you're screwed. But what's happening in our school systems? Kids are being handcuffed. I had a, a forum with students a couple weeks ago. It was like a career speed networking event. Yeah. And I was asking kids, what do you know about AI? You know, what, what's happening with AI at work? And I kid you not, Bob, these students looked around furtively glancing around the room to make sure their teachers weren't listening before they would even mention the words mm -hmm. ChatGPT to me. And I literally had to give them permission to talk about it and say, if your teacher comes over and asks what you're talking about, blame it on me because I will bring, I, I will bring this topic into every conversation with students. And what ended up happening is these kids, they realized as I probed them a bit, we had this discussion about AI in the future and how, you know, what's gonna happen if schools are banning it. And the 3000 companies I work with now are saying, we're not hiring someone who doesn't understand how to use AI and leverage it. And I'm sorry to interrupt, but what you just said is so important. I'm just gonna ask you to repeat that. What are those 3000 companies that you're working with telling you? They're saying, we're not going to hire people who don't know how to leverage AI. Wow. And so that gap that's being created between schools and work, we all know as company leaders, executives, founders, we know that the gap between school and work has been growing over the last few decades, right? There, that's no secret. But now that AI is here, that gap is getting exponentially larger with students literally being cut off from the future. And I have a moral problem with that. Yeah. And so what we're up to at DeSkills is saying, we need to stop asking, how can we use technology to make learning the obsolete things of school more effective or efficient? And we need to be asking the question, what different things should we be learning? Yeah. It's no longer appropriate to try to change school from the inside without changing the entire structure that it was built on. And uh, my my good friend, Ted Dentersmith, who uh, he's just amazing, has spent multiple decades going around to different schools. He had a long career in venture capital and then ended up shifting and has now been working with schools in many, many districts for years. And every time we talk, he'll tell me, you know, I've been trying to change the school system from the inside for so long, and it's just not changing the way we want it to. You know, it was built on an obsolete model to make us good factory workers. Yeah. And, and then we look up surprised as corporate leaders when our students coming out of this factory are become fetch a stick employees. Yeah. And so from both the school perspective and of course, the challenge that companies are facing with students walking out of school, laden with debt, who don't even know what their purpose is, what motivates them, and also who may or may not have ended up with four more years of college after high school that taught them to become better and better test takers instead of better world impactors. Yeah. And I'm intrigued by, you know, the whole story there of the skills, but I want to go back to something you said a moment ago, because I think this is really important, right? You know, entrepreneurs are fired by 
something in their brain, their heart, their soul. They want to go out, change, create, build, improve. You talked about having a moral problem with what's going on now, right? You're not saying, oh, hey, this is a, you know, a, a business model engineering thing. If we just do this, you know, we'll make more money. It'll be more efficient. You're talking about a, a moral issue here. What What's behind that? I'm so glad you went here, Bob, because I, th I think it's easy as a founder and even for entrepreneurs to hear this and say, you know, every company is about making money and our bottom lines. And of, of course, that's all important. But the reason I started to skills to deal with this particular problem is because I look out I'm the I'm the oldest of seven kids, right? My youngest sister is eight. I look at my siblings, I look at all of their peers, I look at my peers, and I see students leaving our education system with, you know, I mentioned debt a second ago, laden with debt, many of them entering careers they didn't go to school for because they had no real world context. And all of this culminates in students having anxiety, depression, feeling pressured by, by what they're supposed to be, quote unquote. And just all of these influences have affected my life. I see my siblings struggling with this. I see my peers struggling with this. And so when I talk about this problem, this is not just a business problem. I literally feel it at the soul level yeah. that something has to change about how our students are learning and how they're preparing for the world and, and for work, or they're not going to end up as fulfilled purpose-driven humans with purpose-driven lives. They're going to end up as fetch a stick employees or worse, they're gonna end up depressed, anxious, and that all just compounding. And so this is really, this is a soul wrenching thing for me, yes. Bob, and we could even take it to another level of what happens if kids aren't equipped with these AI skills, what does that mean for our global future and for how you know the US, it wins or doesn't win the AI race? And what does that mean for our future? Yeah. Yeah, um, and that's a, a beautiful answer on that. It, it's it's so important. I think it's one of the reasons why Chris Lockhead, you know, speaks so glowingly of you. And, uh, you know, Ted has, I'm sure, hundreds, thousands, tens of thousands of entrepreneurs who'd like to work with him. And I, I, I would bet a lot of money that one of the reasons he wanted to work with you was because of this thing. You see it as uh, a moral issue that needs to be dealt with, right? On that, on those terms. In addition, all the you know traditional things with a startup. But Hannah, um, I I think uh, you know if I reflect back on you know my own outlook on stuff, I'm generally very optimistic about things, and I I see this today. Of course, there's every new technology brings along with it some potential risk, right? What a boring, awful, dull, and backward world it would be if we didn't you know, push into these new areas. But um, I think there's a mindset issue, right? Put the technology aside and, you know, trying to fix the school system for then. I'll go back half a century, Hannah, half a century, and uh, give you some idea of, you know, what a fossil I am. But I was in, I think it was 10th grade, 11th grade, when uh, in the early 70s, President Nixon was being impeached. I was, one of my classes was, uh, civics, and we were studying about the federal government. And I asked the teacher one day after class, uh, I said, could we 
adapt what we're learning to what's going on in the real world, right? You know, bring it to life. And he was a very nice guy, but he just, as soon as I started talking about that, he was shaking his head. He said, no, no, no. He said, Bob, he said, we got to understand the fundamentals first. You could never understand what's going on there until you, you know, so the lesson plan, you know, that he had been using for the last 20, 30, 40, 50 years. And it was, I felt a certain, even at that immature age, I felt it was like a soul crushing thing. Like, why wouldn't you jump on this? Now, that was a tiny thing half a century ago. You're talking about something now that's going to affect billions of people around the world. Vast numbers of people of every age. But you think about, too, the impact of what you're zeroing in on with the skills. These young people who, in some cases, schools are preventing them. They're not just not fostering it. They are preventing them using some of these tools that are so essential. Um, how do you do that? And how is that helping the kids? I, I definitely want to go there, but I, I want to give you a little more context for something here that I think is really important to understand why we've built our model this way. So let's let's take a look at some data here really quickly. So when I look at the school model and we call it, you know, obsolete and outdated, and thank you for sharing that story of, of your teacher. I, I just, uh, that hasn't changed, right? And I, no. I don't blame it all on teachers. It's, it's more the system. Um, but when, I, when we say that the education model is obsolete, what I'm saying is not only is it handcuffing kids from getting hard skills they need for their future, it's also going beyond that. It's actually killing the very skills that humans need yeah. to thrive in an AI powered world. And among those things are curiosity, joy of learning, tenacity. It's a lot, as you'll hear me talk, you'll hear a lot of the things that are great skills for entrepreneurs to have because that's literally what it's going to take. So to, to pull in some data here, ChatGPT4 just scored in the 90th percentile on the bar exam. It just scored in the 93rd percentile on the SAT reading and writing section. In the biology semifinal for there's like, you know, the Olympiad competitions, it scored in the 99th to 100th percentile. Mm -hmm. So when you look at statistics like that and you look at how GPT is scoring, you have to ask the question, if GPT is scoring that high on standardized tests, shouldn't we as humans not be training for standardized tests anymore? Yeah. So if you look at those at those two comparisons, what ChatGPT can do versus what our school system is not just teaching, but actually extracting from that curiosity, that joy of learning, you yeah. see a fundamental problem with not just what's being taught, but what's being removed. Yeah. from uh, from the humanity that's actually going to take it, it, what what it's going to take for a student to succeed in the future. And so we're just adding more layers to why this is a moral problem for me, but this whole idea that ChatGPT is now able to score so high on standardized tests means that our students, what I believe, need to be trained up in skills that are going to help them explore the full potential of their 
own human abilities, what makes them human, what makes them creative and, and their, their mind go in directions that, you know, you couldn't get from a teacher sort of telling a student what they should or shouldn't learn. And so as, as Chris will talk about, we're in this era now of the intellectual capitalist, right? Someone who can create net new value from what didn't exist before. And if you don't fall into that category of the intellectual capitalist, your job is disappearing faster than you can blink an eye. And our school system hasn't realized that. We're still churning out kids who can test well on these standardized exams, who can follow rules, obey authority, all of that, right? And and yet you have an era emerging of the intellectual capitalist where I'm not joking in saying the only people who are going to have fulfilling careers or even a career at all are the ones who can create net new value. And that's exactly the antithesis of what schools teach. And so to come back to your original question about what we're doing at Diskilled, if you, if you think about those foundational elements, that the, the things that are being removed from a child's inherent joy of learning, curiosity, et cetera, is happening in school, the opposite is happening at Diskills. So the best way to put it would be, we are a replacement for Kumon centers. Are you familiar with Kumon? I'm not. Okay, so they're based, they're a, a global test prep organization. So there's these Kumon centers, they're all over the globe, and you go to them from, you know, kindergarten through the end of high school, and parents pay a subscription fee and you can go in and basically do, you know, when you're younger, it's good things like English. Maybe you live in a, a Spanish speaking country, you want to learn English. I think it's fantastic for our younger kids. Then you get into high school and you can drill for things like SAT prep, college readiness, all those things, right? So we're saying, okay, right now, parents are investing significant amounts of money in college readiness and test prep. And yet the degrees their kids are going to get are going to be irrelevant when they graduate, right? And so we're building the skills as an extracurricular. We're not trying to change the school system. We're not trying to reinvent school because frankly, I don't think that's possible, <laughs> at least with what's happening right now. Um, and, and as we've seen from what Ted has shared with me. And so we are like a an extracurricular on top of school that kids can go to, to instead of study for tests and cram for college readiness, they come to us and they build real world skills. They learn to work with AI and they execute impact projects, which are taking the skills they learn. So maybe it's things like building software with GPT or even something as simple as redesigning menus in Canva or doing videography like short form content for small businesses and they find small businesses in their communities that they could impact could be nonprofits could be mom and pop you know plumbing shops florists diners that sort of thing and they approach them and they bring their skills and they help make an impact on that business and within our 10 week extracurricular sprints that are all virtual, these students go from zero, not knowing anything about AI, never having worked with GPT, to at the end of 10 weeks, getting paid for their first impact project with a real business and also building their professional LinkedIn network to 50 connections. Uh -huh. Hannah, I, uh, no, that 
that war, I would prefer to go in and, you know, go through standardized tests, you know, name the 50 capitals of the 50 uh Hannah, that's, that is just brilliant. Um, and what I loved, so you're not talking about 10 months, 10 years, 10 weeks that, uh, and what would be the, a typical age for somebody who's enrolled in these skills? They're typically high school, but we also have gap year students. So it's 14 okay. to 24. So somewhere in there, in a 10-week period, they go in from knowing nothing about it. They create, they go out and market, sell, engage with customers, help those people. And by the end of 10 weeks, they're getting paid. Yes. 10 weeks. 10 weeks. It sounds ludicrous, right? Like it, it sounds, sounds ludicrous. <laughs> that the idea, and in fact, and I, I share these sort of uh, comments with great joy because it means we're, we're doing something revolutionary here, but we've had school administrators say, this is downright offensive. We've had parents say, this is impossible. You know, like all of these people who, who haven't been through these sprints and don't understand fundamentally that native digital humans, when they're given access and, and they have someone telling them, you can do this. You can take all of the ways you learn through YouTube videos or even scrolling on TikTok, finding videos. There's like so much valuable content that experts have put out into the world. I mean, think about this podcast. Someone could listen to this podcast and they could become an industry expert in, you know, cloud computing and tech. Like it's, it's just amazing just how much value is out in the world. We give them a framework for how to unlock their own potential and how to find resources to learn these skills. And then we give them audacious, or rather they set for themselves audacious goals uh -huh. that they're gonna achieve. And it's just amazing to watch these students achieve these things. And in fact, we had last summer, we had a sprint that was sort of testing what kids could do with ChatGBT. And the audacious challenge to them was could you build a business with ChatGPT in 30 days? And these two young ladies who ended up winning the competition lived in two different states in two different time zones. Chris just had them on Follow Your Different, the episode's dropping in a couple of weeks. These two young ladies in, in two weeks, actually, because they got started late, in two weeks, these two ladies who had never before coded anything in their lives, they'd never used ChatGPT, they were able to build a functioning Google Chrome extension, college level coding. This is a 14 and a 16 year old. They were able to do college level coding, build a full functioning Google Chrome extension that was a student productivity tracker. It's named Acadium. So uh -huh. one student built the extension. The other one went out and created the brand. She built custom merchandise launched a Shopify store, launched a social media presence, built social media partnerships. And within two weeks, they had 500 social media followers, had reels going up you know, every single day, had a fully functioning Chrome extension and had existing users in two weeks. That's the power of what you could do when you give kids, you unlock their potential, you give them an audacious goal and, and Aurora, to even take this further, she told me, this is the 14 year old, she told me not only had she never coded something in her life, she had gotten those books, you know, like Python for dummies that start you at ground zero, try to get you to work up. It's literally what all of our textbooks are in, in high school and college. And she said the furthest she could get is hello world. You know, there was, there was no, she, she couldn't get beyond that because she couldn't parse through all the information they were trying to feed her. 
But instead, with this competition, she had a challenge she was trying to reach by the end of a timeline, and she worked backwards. And we call that impact first learning. She set an impact she wanted to reach, and then she worked backwards. And that's what she was able to achieve. Uh Uh-huh. I'm just uh, blown away by this, Hannah. You know what? Incredible stories. And again, that so 14 and 16 year olds, what they did in two weeks, no prior experience in this. And what you've emphasized a couple of times is they set their own goals. They sort of pace, here's my idea. Here's what I'm going to do. Here's how it's going to play out. I'm going to go out. You don't, they don't submit ideas to you or other adults and the adults go out. The kids do it. The kids do it. They come up with their ideas. They use our resources to help them figure out, you know, what inspires me? What am I interested in? What type of businesses might I want to help? And then they go out, they find the businesses, they work backwards. And that is the illustration of exactly the difference of why this works and why school doesn't in the AI powered world that we're in. Because, you, you know, you take someone like Aurora or Rory and Anna, those two young ladies, and you put that in what we call an impact portfolio, the, these projects, right, these impact projects that students have done, you put them on a typical resume, but instead of having your typical resume that says, you know, oh, I've worked at Aeropostale or I've, you know, delivered, I've waited tables or whatever, which, hey, those are all good skills to have, but a typical high schooler might graduate with something like that and maybe a glowing SAT score or a recommendation from a teacher. I mean, all those are fine, but every other student has that. What if instead you, you had students like Anna and Rory, who by the time they're graduating high school, they've got an impact portfolio that shows real world impacts, creations, thing, the ways that they've driven revenue or engagement or employee numbers for businesses. And tell me which one you'd rather have at your university or at your company. Like, which one are you going to hire as an intern? And it's very, very clear. You ask any company leader that who they're going to hire. And what's funny to me, Bob, is you ask most schools or most parents and they say the opposite. And that shows just how far the gap has come between school and what it was meant for and where, you know, what our actual companies are hiring for. So this this just goes full circle back into into this problem. And I it just boggles my mind. I, does it does it boggle yours that 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 disconnect would be so prevalent? Well, I, you know. I I guess um, it should. It certainly should boggle my mind. And maybe after a very large number of years of living through it, I, I've just maybe beaten down is the right word. Maybe I've gotten lazy. Um, I I think I just came to expect, and I don't think I'd be real out of line with a lot of people of my vintage of just saying, hey, look, it's how it is. There's nothing you can do about it. You can't go in and fix this, like you said, from the outside, which is one of the reasons, Hannah, why I think it's just so interesting or appealing. What you're trying to do is saying, I'm not going to go in and try to take down the, the school industry. Instead, the, you know, that that's that. I'm not going to try to play their game. I'm going to be different. And I'm going to go over here and create something that lets them as an extracurricular thing. Go ahead and do this. So I think you're picking your battles very wisely. Um and I, I wanted to ask you, Hannah, um, you, we had talked about this some um, before you came on the program about the audience for Cloud Wars, a lot of people in the tech industry from 
uh, the customers that use a lot of the technology to the tech vendor communities in there. I would think this really resonates with a lot of them. I mean, should your, your story should resonate with everybody, but what you're talking about today to this particular audience, these are people who are in touch, I think a lot with the, the opportunity and the potential of things like artificial intelligence and where it's going. So what would you want to, uh, to share with them about this or, you know, cause you, you, you've dealt with people from all sorts of walks of life. They're from all over the country outside the U S at all by any chance. Yes. Yeah, so we've got six, six countries represented in this current cohort that's happening. Unbelievable. But so t- talk to them a little bit about, you know, what you're doing, your vision and where there might be a, a connection here. Yeah. So a couple things, one is I spent about five years. So I'm 25 now. I started in corporate when I was 17. I spent about five years in consulting, working with organizations, everything from startups to Fortune 500s, helping them with their employee engagement strategy. And then later in those years with specifically how to recruit and retain Gen Z talent. Now, this was all prior to the AI revolution. And what I heard then a lot, and you can tell me maybe if if you hear this from your audience, Bob, but what a lot of leaders would tell me is they were struggling so much, not just to recruit Gen Z, but to understand how the native digital mind works because they would hire a lot of young talent coming out of colleges. And then those students would leave very, very quickly. They couldn't retain them. It was hard to motivate them. And so I I did a lot of work with these companies on, you know, two-way conversations between Gen Z and and older leaders, helping them understand how to bridge barriers or how to, you know, break down barriers, bridge these gaps. And what kept coming up with every single conversation is this fundamental idea that native digitals work, think, and play starting from an entirely different point of view because we've grown up digital first, meaning that our primary life experience is digital and our secondary life experience is analog or the physical world and for most of our parents my parents generation it was the opposite right you have the physical world and then you add digital tech to it to enhance it but if you think about the the gen z or the native digital experience it's actually the opposite so you almost have to put on 3d glasses to see the world <laughs> through our lens right it's like we we see things in the real world that our only reference point to comes from our you know video games our social communities our online spaces and so if you're in that if you're a leader you're in a you know tech business or you're one of the vendors that Bob was alluding to first hear that that, that these students coming into your workforce are native digitals and they come at this from a whole different perspective but secondly hear that these students when given the power of AI because they're natively digital they're able to unlock potential in AI tech that that most people would find astounding. I mean, think about Rory and Anna at at 14 and 16. Imagine you add a few years to that and some mature experiences and they come to you and they're 22 to 25. Just how much possibility is there? One of the best things you could do for 
for a Gen Zer is to just give them an audacious problem, hand them this, this tech and say, you know, we're trying to solve XYZ problem in our business. What could you do with AI? If you, if you chatted with GPT as a, as a strategic partner, if you found tools, how would you solve this problem? Yeah. I'll actually, I'll tell a quick story here. So I worked with a large consulting firm that serves the Amlaw 100. Mm -hmm. So they have offices in the UK and their CEO is a good friend of mine. And anyway, so he and I were having a, a conversation a few, I guess it's been a few years back about this very topic. So this again was pre-AI. And, and he told me, you know, Hannah, I've been having this massive problem with one of our clients. They're, they're having, you know, revenue leak. There's just revenue going, we, they can't figure out how to track these things. So we talked a little about it a little, and I asked him, why don't you work with some high schoolers, ask them how they might solve this problem. Now, again, we're talking high schoolers here, right? No yeah. corporate experience. Yeah. They don't, they don't know the lingo. They don't know anything. He took, Stephen took my idea and he went back to his local community and he found some 16 year olds who were, you know, game nerds, <laughs> robotics guys, whatever. And he gave them this problem. And the next week he gets a proposal from these kids and the kids had applied their knowledge from game worlds like Minecraft. This, I think it was specifically Minecraft. Uh -huh. And there was some way of approaching, he couldn't give me details because it was all confidential, but he basically said that somehow these kids took their, their knowledge from these game worlds and analytics, and they applied it to that problem and just helped us see things from a whole different angle. Their suggestions when implemented saved the company $2 million. <laughs> That's the power of the, like, and not to say every kid you're going to come across is just going to be this brilliant genius, but the idea of unlocking potential, as, especially as we think about leadership and how to find these students and really bring out the best in them is oftentimes giving them an audacious challenge and giving them a short timeline to reach a goal or an idea on that challenge. And I think you'll be really surprised what you come across and what you find. Um, and again, it's it's, it's a re remarkable story here. Um, where could somebody find out more about your company and what's going on there? Two ways. One would be go to deskills.io, which is our website. It's just deskills.io. And then obviously on LinkedIn, you can follow me. DM me if you if you love this episode and or have questions. I'm seriously an open book and I I hope that just comes across fully in this because this conversation is so important and I think oftentimes as especially as company leaders it's easy to look at this and say, "Oh, that's just a problem for the school system to solve." And what I'm urging everyone to hear is number 1, the school system is not going to solve it. So if you have kids, Oh my gosh, like get them using AI, have them come to Diskilled. I literally don't care where they get this knowledge from, just have them use this technology and make real world impacts because that's the only way they're going to stay relevant. But if even if you don't have kids and you're working with this these native digital employees, the race is on. So go ahead and like give give your native digital staff some audacious challenges and see what they can do and let them stumble and let them figure this out because they're that's literally the best way we can all prepare for what's going to come in the future. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
Hannah, I, you know, one of the things that I like so much about what you've described here today, you, you're not tearing anything down. I think you offered some blunt assessments of what is going on in the school system today, not just to, you know, gratuitously kick at something like that, but just talk about the real world here, the connection, where the world is headed and where it, traditional learning is. So you said, hey, they're going to do what they're going to do. And there's probably some good pockets out in there. We've built something different something that's extracurricular. I love the idea about, you know, how quickly you shift what you've been talking about. You give the students the power over what they create, how they do it, how they build it, unleash them, use these new tools and the framework that the skills offer. And then they're out in the field doing these things. They're not, you know, uh, we couldn't send little kids out there to talk to business people. Well, you do, and it's working. And uh, the examples you cited are are inspiring and uplifting. And I think as we hear every company, whether they're in the tech industry or pharmaceuticals and retail, everybody's trying to say the world is changing so fast. How do we keep up with this? And uh, I believe that what you're doing with the skills is equipping a lot of, you know, phenomenal young people who don't think the way that traditional uh, business people do which can be a very good thing, but they're they're coming up with their own unique ideas to do it by taking these new technologies and reimagining what's possible. I, I think that is a, that's an incredibly uplifting and valuable and important message. So I just want to thank you for being with us today and, and sharing some of this amazing story. Thank you. And thank you for saying that. And I hope that having a glimpse into what's possible is inspiring for your audience because I'm telling you that this is the time for us to get inspired to carry this torch of what's possible for students powered by AI because it's the future and I see it as a really, really exciting, exciting future. Well, Hannah Grady-Williams, founder and CEO of DeSkills, thank you so much. Really, really have enjoyed this conversation. Thank you. Have a good one. All right. And folks, to all of you out there, thanks for being with us. Again, uh, Hannah said that the website is deskills.io and also Hannah Grady Williams on LinkedIn if you want to follow her there and talk with her about that. Thanks for being with us and we'll see you next time.